I don't handle interruptions very well. I don't like them too much, which is quite a thing for someone with four children to say. Because how many times have I been mid-sentence, mid-meal, mid-work, mid-thought when there's been an urgent interruption? Now, these days, our children are very self-sufficient, but earlier in their lives, when they were younger, I decided that I would try a strategy for managing all of this urgency. And so I said to our oldest son, Jack, listen, buddy, if you need my attention and I'm doing something else or I'm talking to someone else and it's not an emergency, I want you to just come beside me and just place your hand on my shoulder. Just put your hand on my shoulder and then I'll touch your hand to acknowledge you and I'll hold it there for a few minutes while I reach a stopping place in the sentence or the task and then I'll happily turn to you to find out what you need. And I'll let you guess how many times that little experiment worked out. As you'd imagine, my brilliant parenting plan, it never really came together because my children knew what I did not. And that is that hunger or thirst, a disagreement with your sibling, a pressing need to share an observation, to ask a question, to share a moment of curiosity or self-discovery, these are all emergencies. Or maybe my children knew something else that I would rather avoid in my life, and that is that life is full of such moments. Life is full of interruptions. How many times have I been in the middle of a task when something happens that completely disrupts and throws off my focus? How many times have I been in the midst of a thoughtful moment or a meaningful conversation or a moment with my family or pushing a child on the swing when my pocket buzzes and if even for a moment it draws my focus away? And then how many times has that buzzing pocket or that ringing phone been early in the morning or late in the night when it signals that kind of news that can totally shock and change our lives altogether. Life, it seems to me, and I imagine it would seem to you too, is full of such moments, so full of interruptions, often costly, sometimes painful, usually aggravating, inconvenient, disruptive, unwanted. But then, every so often, there are those interruptions that come from God. Christmas, before it was anything else, was such a moment. It was a kind of interruption, disturbed sleep and disrupted peace and a frightening appearance of an angel in a difficult, scandalous, unforeseen interruption. In a town called Nazareth was a young woman named Mary introduced by Luke here in our reading for the first time. And young woman might inflate it a bit. She's not much more than a child herself. And now, here she is. She's trying to make sense of the impossible news that she will bear this great one, a son of the Most High, who would be like the ancient ruler of legend David. We call it the Annunciation, this passage in Luke. And we sometimes understand it as this sweet, sublime story, Mary ever draped in blue, saintly face, this orb of light surrounding her, the stuff of gorgeous pastels and poetry and beloved carols, but at first it was terrifying. 
So much so that the angel Gabriel says those words we have heard echo this Advent that ring throughout the story of Christ's coming to us and that somehow reverberate in our souls even now. Do not be afraid, he says. When, of course, Mary had every reason to be afraid, even before this unexpected news, this was a life that was flanked in fear. She was a poor adolescent girl living on the outer borders of the imposing Roman Empire in a nowhere town so inconsequential that it is unmentioned in all of Hebrew Scripture, where she and so many others lived with fears of poverty, hunger, sickness, widowhood, violence, and death. And now she's having to imagine the prospect of carrying a baby when she was not married. There were customs, there were conventions. She would surely be embarrassed and this would become for her and for her family a scandalous moment. Yes, beyond simply an interruption, this was a threat to Mary. A moment where it must have been oh so tempting, so understandable even, to reject it, to ignore it, or to let it pass to someone else. For lest we forget she has to decide what to do. Mary has to decide what to make of this disturbance in her life. This was not simply something that happened to her without her willingness. She has to decide whether to say yes or no to this call of God. The poet Denise Levertov has alluded to this in her wonderful imaginative reflection on the text. A poem entitled Annunciation, an excerpt of it at the front of our order of worship today. And the poem includes this. We are told of meek obedience. No one mentions courage. The engendering spirit did not enter her without consent. God waited. Mary was free to accept or to refuse choice being so integral to humanness. God waiting for Mary's answer. Some of you were here last week, a Sunday of joy, when we focused on the Magnificat, that song of Mary, and Pastor Amy led our children in thinking and reflecting on what it says about God, that God chose Mary. And perhaps you heard it when one of our children responded, well, it seems like God has a lot of confidence in Mary. God has confidence. God has confidence in what she would do. God is waiting, the poet says. And indeed, all creation is waiting right along, wondering what Mary will do with this disruption to the expectations of her life and all that it demands of her. Even the angel must have known the stakes. Frederick Buechner imagines that as Gabriel says, you mustn't be afraid, Mary. He only hoped that she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings, he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung now on her answer. She could have said no, you see. She could have decided it was not the time, not the way she wanted to go or the thing that she was prepared to do. But instead, Mary seems to come to understand it all more than anyone else in the whole of the story. And in doing so, Mary gives us a model of what we might do when we're startled or we are wrenched 
with such a moment in our lives. Because we often have our lives all sketched out the way we want them to go, but sometimes they are interrupted. And when you are interrupted, when you're startled by something that you did not foresee, what will you do? And how will you decide if it is in fact the work of God in the world? Mary has to decide if this is from God and what she will make of it. And so she shows us how to do the same. And notice, right at first when she hears the angel's news, Luke says she is troubled. She begins to wonder what sort of news this might be and what it would mean for her. For Mary, too, had a plan for her life. She had the hope to marry someone substantial with whom she could have a home, the hope to have children who live to have enough provisions to survive, to live long enough to see grandchildren and to die one day in peace. But then this interruption against the night, not good news of great joy, but terrifying and demanding news. And she is troubled. And how could she not be? Her response is so honest. It's so thoughtful. Greatly troubled, the passage says, wondering what this means. And if only we could do more of the same. Are you paying attention to your life? That's really the question of this passage. Pay attention. Stop. Don't just click along without noticing things. We need to be troubled more often. We need to weep harder than we weep. We need to feel more deeply than we feel. We need to laugh more loudly than we laugh. We need our hearts to break more readily in compassion for others. We need to think more carefully and ask more questions. We need to pray better prayers, more honest prayers, because a life of faith is a life that is sometimes deeply troubled. A life of faith is one that sometimes has to wonder. And so Mary then asked questions of God, or at least of the divine representative that is before her. How can this be, she says, which is another part of how she models for us how we might approach our lives how we might make sense of some of the disruptions to our plans. When something shakes us from our path, we can go to God and we can ask, God, what is this? How can this be? Somewhere along the way, some of us learned that it is unfaithful or troubling to question God. That it's somehow bad form or some sort of sign of irreverence for us to dare to raise our voices in curiosity or inquiry or to challenge something that is happening around us. Some of us learned in church not to ask questions. That a life of faith is a life of certainty. Some of us learned it from families that wanted all to be settled and stable, not disrupted by our curiosity. Some of us might have somehow learned it in ourselves and our own discomfort with the complexities of our lives and our need for things to just be at ease. Who knows where we learned that we should not question God, but we did not learn it from Mary. How can this be, she says. Mary knows that God is not shaken by our questions. God is not startled by our earnest wondering. God is not undermined by our troubled hearts. Because the life of faith is a life of curiosity that talks back to God, that stays up late into the night wondering and troubled and inquiring and challenging with whatever divine representative we can find within earshot. How can this be? Make some sense of this. Help me to understand. If you want me to be faithful, then help me to see why this is here and why it's here for me. 
And when she asks, notice that she comes to understand more. She learns more. She grasps better what God is doing and why this has come to her. Because finally, in the end, because Mary is troubled and because she speaks out honestly and because she wonders and because she asks, Mary comes to understand. And she comes to see even herself more clearly. I am the Lord's servant, she says. Let it be for me, just as you have said. This prayer that all of these years later continues to say, God, I understand that you are with me. God, I understand that this moment has come from you and I embrace it. You have something to teach me about you, about me, about a life of faith which is what we all must do amidst the disruptions of our lives. Try to discern if indeed they have come from God. And then try to notice what they have to teach us about God and about ourselves. Some of the worst moments of my life have been interruptions. And I mean terrifying moments of loss and pain and suffering and illness. Yes, there are those interruptions that I am confident did not come from the God who seeks the good of all creation. But then, if I pay attention to my life, I can also sense that some of the most important moments of my life, and I mean holy moments, are also the moments that I could have never seen coming. Now sometimes these were no less frightening and uncertain. Sometimes these were no less demanding, but they were full of the goodness that I know God seeks for me and for this world. Things I could not foresee, and sometimes that if I had been given a chance, I might have tried to avoid. Small and momentary things like someone dropping by, or a conversation that I wasn't planning for, or a knock on my door, or a call or a text on my phone. But also big things. I mean the huge momentous things like a move across the country or the arrival of a child or a new understanding of self and call. My spouse, my partner in life, was at first a kind of interruption. I was just walking across the campus one day early in my second year of college and little did I know that there was to come this initial introduction that would become the most important relationship in my life. My children, in the best sense of the word, they're probably the greatest interruptions of my life. Jenny and I had just moved to New York, and some of you know that we had done so amidst the grief, the deep grief of having just lost a pregnancy in its early stages. And because of this, not long after our move, Jenny had a follow-up visit with her doctor, and it seemed this routine appointment, so she was just going by herself. In fact, I was across the country. I was in Texas for a meeting for a few days, and I was walking out of my hotel room to grab morning coffee with a friend when my cell phone rang. My wife told me that she was expecting a baby, and how can this be? And the boy that started as that unexpected and at times unimagined news in our lives will turn 14 in February. And then, of course, in so many ways, 
First Baptist Church of Greensboro was at first an interruption in my life, a blinking voicemail notice on my office phone and a message from the pastor search committee that would become the start of asking good questions and praying good prayers and discerning the direction and the leadership of God and finding community and dear colleagues and the most meaningful work of my life. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to your life? Are you noticing those moments that come unsuspected and startling, those moments that slide up next to you and sort of place a hand on your shoulder and they just invite you to respond? And what will you make of them? What will they teach you about God? What will they teach you about yourself? Christmas, before it was anything else, it was an interruption. A startled young woman in an unknown town hears of an unexpected child who will be born in the unwanted setting of a stable. To all of those unsuspecting witnesses and will ultimately grow to completely disrupt the patterns and the powers of this world. It was not what she planned. This interruption of life coming in places bleak and unnamed. This interruption of a God that chooses us to share in God's plans. This interruption that we somehow will be given what we need to do what we're called to do. This holy interruption that we are not forgotten, but we are found by the love of God that never leaves us, never abandons us, that love from which we can never be separated. All of it. An interruption. But there was someone in the story who understood it better than anyone else. I am the Lord's servant, Mary says. May it be with me, just as you have said. And friends, may we say the same. Inviting God this Christmas to interrupt our lives all over again. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.